Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Business Wire reports a surprising study on the blind and visually impaired and their use of smart speakers. Smart speakers might include the Amazon Echo and the Google Nest Mini. According to Strategy Analytics, the current designs of smart speakers that rely heavily on visual feedback are keeping the blind from enjoying a beneficial smart home experience. Why is this the case? Report author and UX Innovation Practice Director Lisa Cooper is here to answer this question. Lisa will briefly discuss how this research also focused on the blind and visually impaired's use of regular household appliances and smartphones, along with their travel outside the home. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Brian. Tell us about yourself. Okay, so I'm from the UK originally. I immigrated here a long time ago. Um, I'm a sighted person uh, who advocates for inclusive and universal design of all technologies, products, and services. Um, I've been educated in and working in this field now for over 20 years. I'm currently director of a service within Strategy Analytics, looking at the design of new and emerging technologies and how those designs affect usability and usefulness of those devices. Uh, so to give you a little bit of background, um, we have to always, always build designs from a human-centered philosophy. And this means that we must thoroughly understand the needs of people who will be using these technologies now and in the future uh, before we begin even designing those products uh, to meet needs. So I got my start in my career looking at the processes involved in designing and testing assistive technologies and devices. And because those methods we use in human factors or user-centered design research can be applied to many different situations and populations, um, I've been involved in various industries over the years. Um, we use many methods uh, to gather data about user needs, from testing out new concepts and devices with actual users, interviews, surveys, focus groups, observations, um, through to more analytical approaches. But I, I won't bore you with those right now. So that's sort of me in a nutshell. Yeah, we'll get into the techie stuff in a bit, but what is strategy analytics and UX innovation practice? Okay, so uh, Strategy Analytics, uh, we're a global research and consulting company. Uh, we have expertise in various technologies, uh, smart speakers, smartphones, uh, VR, uh, automotive, and other personal devices. The UX innovation practice, which is where my service is embedded, uh, conducts types of research that I described earlier for design groups and product managers within various companies, um, and they subscribe to our services. Um, we also conduct custom projects for companies who want to find answers to specific problems as well. So we're essentially helping designers and product managers understand more about their users, um, the users of their products and services, and, and how they can improve on those designs and strategies for the future. And now we're going to get into some of those designs. How did you decide to conduct this research, though, on the blind and visually impaired and their smart speaker usage? Okay, so as I spoke about before, um, the design of services and products uh, should be able to meet the needs of everyone, 
people of all abilities. And it's a win-win situation for the company and for the consumer. Uh, it allows access to not only people with disabilities, but also to people across their lifetimes as their abilities change with age. Um, so in this day and age, digital inclusion is really essential for people of all abilities to work and socialize and operate their homes. And we chose this population because of um, increasing use of flat screen, uh, touch displays, and a focus on visual interfaces uh, in, in so many new technologies inside and outside the home. Uh, the study, it wasn't so supposed to be specific to smart speakers. It was actually an exploratory first look, really. Um, we wanted to know more about this community's needs, the technologies um, that were being used in general, the barriers faced um, at home and on the go. And the hope was to look at opportunities where appropriate, where technology can help or be changed to help. Uh, so it was, it was an unbiased view of how technology was helping or hindering lives of people with sight loss and, and what we can do about it. It was never about smart speakers. These were the themes that sort of came about from this exploration. And so through interviewing people from the blind and visually impaired communities, I was really privileged to hear their stories and, and get a peek into their world about the role of technology in their lives, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll get into that good, bad, and ugly now, but I do want to focus on the smart home products for a little while because the smart home products are so new and a lot of people are using them. You and strategy analytics, one area of your research, one big area was the current design of those smart home products, like smart speakers. These products rely heavily on visual feedback. What sort of visual feedback is this? And why does that visual feedback hinder the smart speaker's accessibility for the blind? Um, so when it comes to the setup of smart speakers, many of our participants um, who we chose, we chose from various backgrounds, ages, technology know-how, um, they, they used one or more smart speakers in their homes and they found it relatively easy to set up and, and use. But when it came to connecting other devices to those smart speakers to create more of a smart home environment, that's where visual feedback, as well as other issues around complexity started to surface. Um, so the participants who loved gadgets, they always found a way to make, make it work um, to improve their accessibility around the home. But the majority, everyone else, was more hindered by the complexity of connecting multiple devices to the smart speaker. And, and this issue, um, by the way, is not specific to people with sight loss. We've seen this in sighted users too. So as a simple example, um, the easiest and quickest way to connect a smart plug uh, without going through menus in a smart home app, um, if we think of a smart home app such as Samsung SmartThings, is to scan a QR code, which would be located on a sticker on the plug. So this code is purely visual um, and not tactile. A simple low-tech solution, uh, such as a raised bump or a braille sticker or just a simple notch, uh, would help a person with sight loss be able to locate that QR code to scan it and would make connection of the smart home devices so much simpler. Um, another example is the fact that smart speakers themselves such as Alexa, have visual feedback to show a user that it heard the user summon them. 
So a person with sight loss, they have to continue on with their command, not knowing whether the device is listening or not. Um, they only know when Alexa responds with something that's not relevant to what they asked. Um, Google smart speakers provide visual feedback in the form of lights on a flat surface with, with no buttons. Um, actually, here's a quote from one of our participants about that. She said, the one thing I don't like about the Google smart speakers is that they've got the touch panel on top of them and I'm forever touching it and changing the volume and not actually meaning to. And the hard buttons are way better for that. Um, so when it's longer, more time consuming and a frustrating process to set up a smart home using smart speakers, um, for example, to control a light switch using voice, the more likely the person is to simply just click a switch or stick to habits that they've been using for years and the value of it is is lost the value of a, a smart way of doing it is lost and and users will find other workarounds that are just far simpler than having to go through multiple men, menus or errors and frustration um, and the, only those who really enjoy technology would be really prepared to go through all of that so even though most blind out there who are in the research use the smart speakers and they agreed that the speakers made their life much more accessible. This large group of people weren't using the devices to their fullest. Well, what did they use the smart speakers for? Like, for what purposes? The participants in the research, uh, they mainly used the smart speakers for functions that were already built into the product uh, or were very simple to connect. So the most popular functions were asking about the weather. Um, obviously, this helps people with sight loss, with travel plans. They don't want to caught, get caught out. Um, setting alarms when cooking, um, much easier than fumbling around for a smartphone or trying to find the button on an appliance. Um, having recipes read out to them as they cooked. They did use um, the devices for listening to music, news and podcasts, but the first three functions I mentioned, they, they were just talked about a lot more frequently. Um, and users that were self-professed sort of techie nerds uh, or in the technology industry for work, they would often use the speaker to create a smarter voice-controlled um, home. Uh, but the majority of people we spoke to, they just, they didn't. Now, you mentioned that to make these smart speakers and smart devices simplified for the blind and visually impaired, you talked about the tactile markings. I think the tactile markings are definitely an easy feature to have to help the blind use these speakers more efficiently and more effectively. I'm, I mean, maybe the manufacturers are going to need some more of this guidance to help the blind and visually impaired buying new smart speakers to the fullest. Now, what else might you think manufacturers of smart speakers and home devices do to improve their features and just make these products more accessible for the blind? Smart speakers are meant to be a voice technology uh, driven device geared towards a mass market. So it's essential for their success to be digitally inclusive of all abilities, accents, environments, especially given the huge impact uh, the mainstream, this mainstream product can really have on the lives of people with all abilities. Um, it's simply the right thing to do from the word go. Um, but from conceptualization, uh, smart speaker and smart home manufacturers, they really need to talk to and work through every stage of design of these products with people who have disabilities up front. 
Um, but unfortunately, accessibility, it's often an add-on for most companies. And But this type of work needs to be done much earlier in the design cycle. Um, but having said that, some companies do better than others. For example, Apple and Samsung, they've worked with the RNIB, which is the Royal National Institute of Blind People, for various uh, with for various products. Um, at the Consumer Electronics Show held this month, Samsung won a Best of Innovation Award for their accessibility features in their 2021 lineup of TVs, which include accessibility uh, functions for both blind and deaf communities. And they did that by working with representative organizations such as uh, RNIB. So hopefully they tested out their product prior to launch with lots of people from these communities from various backgrounds um, just to refine those features. Let's talk about the blind needs when traveling. I know you also did some research on that. Um, could you explain a little bit more about that report? I mean, you did uh, another study regarding how blind people travel, whether at the airport, on the street, taking the bus. Talk about that. Okay. So when it came to um, travel, the issues that came up were numerous. Um, so generally speaking, there were two main themes that came out, mainly the difficulty in locating or catching Ubers and buses, as well as indoor navigation in public spaces, such as the airport, train station, bus stations. Um, I listened to some horror stories about blind people or their guide dogs falling between the platform and trains in subways, being forced to ride in a wheelchair through airport terminals or being unceremoniously dragged across the airport when they're trying to get to their gates and frequently being denied access to Ubers because of the presence of a guide dog. Um, and also trying to navigate around malls and grocery stores when store locations and items are continuously being moved. So one of the main findings to come out of this is that there, there seems to be an opportunity for technology to help in this area because all these experience all these experiences are resulting in um, anxiety and frustration, of course, um, from, from blind and visually impaired people because they're experiencing this on a regular basis. So this, um, this is, these are the kinds of findings that I found with, uh, with the travel uh, report. All right. Um, now, back to the smart technologies. Do you know of uh, any companies out there that are currently trying to implement some more accessible features for the blind on both their smart home devices and their smartphones? More accessible features for uh, their smartphones, definitely. Um, in terms of smartphones, I know that... Um, Apple has done a really good job with their smartphone features, with their accessibility, with their um, screen reader voiceover. Um, and they've incorporated the needs of people with visual impairments from the word go and seem to have a really good uh, relationship with the community. And everyone I spoke to raved about Apple's accessibility. Uh, also, in terms of services and apps on the phone, um, Ira, uh, Be My Eyes and Seeing AI were mentioned. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with these or use these. Um, I've heard of them. You've heard of them, yes. Uh, Ira is a service, it's a paid service uh, where trained professionals can assist with just about anything from banking 
to helping you safely book an Uber. Um, Be My Eyes, that's more volunteers will help you uh, figure out your surroundings, set your thermostat, uh, many other use cases. Uh, also, Seeing AI, um, this is a free app that uses artificial intelligence to audibly read short text, um, can let you know about your person's surroundings, various other things, um, up to identifying products at a store, the value of money is possible with that. So all this comes in, in uh, into play in your smartphone, not to mention um, apps that you can now get to help you with navigation, such as Blind Square uh, and Soundscape. In addition to messaging capabilities, it's all accessible from, from smartphones. Um, and not all smartphones are created equal. Like I said, Apple has been working a lot with the RNIB and they're constantly thinking about people with disabilities. One other feature actually on a smartphone that I think um, is very useful for this community is come out with a new iPhone 12 Pro, uh, which has a people detection feature. Um, so that will help people with sight loss be audibly notified in real time about people and their distance away from them um, as they're walking, um, which is just a phenomenal a game changer, really, especially in a situation where there's um, social distancing. And I know this has been a big issue uh, for people in the blind community is trying to remain socially distant. Um, so, so that is something that uses LIDAR, which is integrated into the phone. Um, and I've, I've heard, uh, good success with that. So that's, that's something to look out for also. That is definitely something to look forward to. Um, any, any other um, additional developments uh, in this area from other companies that are coming soon down the line, like months and years from now already planned? Uh, this is something I need to look into more for sure. This was more of a, um, an exploratory exploratory research where we were looking at the community's relationship with technology as is right now. Um, so this is something I want to look into more into the future as we do more research, uh, because people aren't using, uh, enabled Alexa enabled appliances. They're just not using them. Um, so cited or not, it would be good to do a deeper dive on that as to as to why why is this the case um so we managed to unveil and reveal a lot of themes uh from doing this but um people come from all sorts of backgrounds when we talk to everyone the appliances they were using they, they used what they could afford uh they used whatever was in their rented apartment they used uh whatever their families had bought and often these appliances for example um, had these flat screen displays and they were basically using workarounds right now uh, to be able to operate them. Uh, so they'd be using, um, they were using Braille stickers and uh, I believe there's uh, something called a halo stickers that put icons on those buttons that they wanted to reach. They were, they were just using workarounds right now uh, because that's the easiest thing to do. Uh, they just didn't have access to these smart appliances or weren't buying them. They're too expensive. A lot of them are very expensive or were intimidated by it, especially in the aging population, very intimidated by technology. 
so that's something I want to to explore some more. How can we learn more about this research? How can you learn more about this research? You can do this by emailing me at lcooper at strategyanalytics.com. Or you can visit the UX innovation page at Strategy Analytics uh, website, which is sa-ux.com. Um, we also have a, actually have a podcast as well called UX Soup, uh, where we cover many different topics. But one that your users would be interested, uh, your listeners would be interested in the most, was with Martin Ralph. He's a technology and skills lead for Guide Dogs for the Blind Association in the UK. Uh, that was episode 13 and 14, where I speak to him about, excuse me, about these topics. Okay. Lisa, let's hope that the smart speaker manufacturers create more accessible products so that the blind and visually impaired can, can just fully enjoy them like their sighted users. Let's also hope that the experience of using conventional appliances and smartphones, along with traveling the world, improves for the blind. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org. And my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash shy dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. You may also access the podcast feed at speaking-out-4-sha-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Introducing Sunday Edition with Anthony, a weekly magazine show featuring the movers and shakers of our beloved organization, topics and news that affect us all, some great roundtable discussions, and of course, a lot of fun. So join me every Sunday at 1 p.m. on ACB Radio Mainstream for Sunday Edition. The American Council of the Blind plays an important role in the daily lives of blind and visually impaired individuals all over the country. Whether it's making products and services more accessible for the blind, advocating for appropriate education for blind students, issuing scholarships to deserving college students, fighting for accessible currency, along with a host of other issues, it takes contributions from all of us. You can help by joining the Monthly Monetary Support Program, MMS. 
It's a great opportunity for members and friends to make sure these efforts continue. What ACB does enhances all of our lives. For more information, go to our website, acb.org, click on the donations link, go to the MMS tab, and enter. Or call 612-332-3242. ACB Radio.